Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. Thanks so much for being here today. If you're here for the first, second, or third time, you've got that connection card that you were handed uh, by our awesome welcome team as you walk in today. You do not need to get that filled out right now, but as you head out today, uh, there will be some really nice people on your right once you get outside. They've got a gift for you. You matter to us. You made this place matter to you today, and so we want you to give you a gift. We're going to give you a gift that you can carry to your car easily or to your house if you walked here. It is not a Costco teddy bear. Uh, It's something that you can carry as you head out today. Um, and we are uh, we're con- finishing our Transform series today, uh, and I'm really glad that we're finishing it today because what we're d- going to talk about today is great, something that applies to all of us, and Wednesday in my life was one of the stressful, one of the most stressful days of the year in our family, and that, and if you've done this before, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that was Family Picture Day. All right, family picture day is the one day of the year where nobody has any say of what they wear today except for Anna. Anna picks out everybody's outfits, you get it on your bed, and you shut your mouth about it. If it's on your bed, it's on your body, and your mouth is closed. Uh, We've got a four-year-old who thinks that he's Usain Bolt, and so he never stops running. Uh, And so I even made up a song for him. Like, we've got a, this is the plan to get the kid to stand still and be quiet and smile and all that stuff. And so I'm clapping his hands. I'm like, all right, dude, this is how we clap our hands. This is where we go. This is our song for the day. And we sang it like a hundred times. Stand still and smile. Do whatever mommy says. Stand still and smile. Do whatever mommy says. Mommy tells you to go chase a car, you better get your shoes on because you're going to chase a car. If she tells you to do it, you're going to do it. Everybody's dressed to the nines. I remembered shoes this time because last time we got out there and I had to turn around, leave the kids, and drive all the way back to get my shoes because I'm a grown-up and I should show up with shoes to family pictures. Everybody shows up and then family pictures go in the toilet, okay? So like the one picture that actually worked for us and and like worked great on the first time with everybody smiling and everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing is this picture, all right? I love getting to hug Anna. It's good. The kids love not giving two whatevers about what they have to do in the picture except for run. We even gave Micah a whistle and said, go to town, have fun, buddy. And so they are sprinting around us, blowing the whistle as loud as they can. And in the middle of that, is us just being so glad that it's done. Uh, That was the last picture we took of the day. And Anna, who's usually like an overflowing well of patience, we get in the car and she says, thank God that's over. Surviving family pictures makes what we're talking about today seem way less stressful. We're talking about money, which is less stressful than family pictures. And the reason we're talking about money is because it affects so many areas in our lives. And what we've got to look at as we go through this Transform series are sunny side stories, things that have happened to people in our community where God has come into their lives in very specific ways. And so we're going to watch our last sunny side story for the Transform series. Let's roll tape now. I'm John, and this is my wife, Brooke, and we are the Swansons. And we're here to talk to you today about our financial issues that plagued us for the vast majority of our marriage. Uh, Part of the mess started uh, because I am created in my God's image, and apparently he's a big spender. He loves Amazon, and I just am really good at spending money, and she's really good at telling me not to, but I'm really good at doing it anyway. So for just getting into financial mess basically is that we spent a lot of years trying to keep up with the Joneses, buying the coolest thing, the next thing. We could always afford it, um, but there was a lot of 
times where we were financing it, putting it on credit cards, and instead of dealing with our money and being smart about it, we were just spending it like, like we weren't going to be here tomorrow, so we didn't need to have anything. Um, that ended us up here about $80,000 in debt. So for me as the person who pays the bills and takes care of all of that, there's always been just a huge amount of stress um, week to week, paycheck to paycheck, uh, paying the bills, paying for the kids' activities, uh, planning vacations, things like that. Um, and I harbored a lot of stress and we just were never on the same page. Once we came to Sunnyside, it got really strong in my heart that we needed to be tithing and I could not figure out how we could afford to tithe. Um, last uh, spring, Ken and Anna ran a financial piece with Dave Ramsey workshop and we took an opportunity to um, go through that process and we were able to get some great tools to kind of start addressing our debt head on. So we've sat down and we've taken uh, the Dame, Dave Ramsey baby steps pretty seriously and she actually forced me to sit down because <laughs> I'm pretty distracted when it comes to this stuff and take a little bit more ownership in our finances. So now not only are we able to tithe a full 10% to church uh, every month, we've been able to give um, with very open hearts and not impacting our finances in any way. We started with $80,000 in debt and so far we've been able to tithe and give and pay down over 25% of that in about six months. So at this point, we are truly on a path to being debt-free in about 12 more months, so 18 months total, um, with the ability to give and tithe and support Sunnyside and Mountain View in the best way possible. Both of our attitudes towards money have, have changed, and our attitudes about how we live our life in money-related areas. Um, probably five years ago, you would have never caught Brooke dead in a Walmart or a Winco <laughs> or anything like that. but. That's kind of become our staple, and um, we've been able to become a little bit more humble with the way we look at our lives and how we're supposed to live and what we really need and what we don't. For me, it was, like I said, very much on my heart to be tithing, but I found that as, we, as I spend more time looking at our budget and our finances and the ability and the amount of money that we have been blessed with by God, um, we have the resources to do great things um, and I feel like that's the path that we're on and it's part of our story. God has shown up multiple times through this journey um, on times where we've overspent um, that money has appeared. It's very true that when God says that if you tithe and you tithe with an open heart that he will shower blessings upon you and I think that we both have experienced that in the past six months and I think that we are learning the lessons that he's trying to teach us and I think that we'll be able to eventually also help teach others and change the trajectory of our family. I'm John. And I'm Brooke. And, and our, our finances, finances are, are no, no problem, problem for our king. king. There's so many things in how we view money and how we spend money and how we save money and how we freak out about money that affect more than just our finances. They, they affect all of us, uh, every part of our lives. Leading up to this week, one of, one of my friends, one of the people who's in here texted me uh, and said, is church going to be good on Sunday? It's a very good question to ask because if you are inviting people to church, this is my promise to you, it's going to be good on Sunday because I don't want you to invite your friend and show up on stink out Sunday. That'd be really, really bad. Uh, but I said, yes, it's going to be good. We're talking about money, so just be warned as you invite people. He said, great, because there is no stress in the world like money stress. That's why we're talking about this. I did have that idea before he texted me. But 
But with money, what Jesus wants to do is he wants to invite us into a new way of viewing money, a new way of letting money define us and work in our hearts. And it all comes back to the gospel. The gospel is a word that we throw out all the time. It's a story about how Jesus saved us and pulled us from a life of sin and death into life of forgiveness and new life with him. And what the gospel reminds us of very clearly is that we are more lost, we are more broken, we are more hopeless than we ever could imagine on our own. And at the same time, we are more loved, we are more accepted, we are more restored, we are more put back together through Jesus than we ever could imagine. So we look at our finances, we look at through those eyes, and apart from Jesus, if we're running our lives based on our own ideas and our own trying to do well financially, we're going to be more lost than we ever could be. But with Jesus in charge, he invites us into a new way of looking at money because our identity is already secure in Jesus. Our provision is already going to come from Jesus. Our acceptance is already going to come from Jesus, not the name that's on your collar or on your shoes. It's already come from Jesus, and it's never going to be replaced by anything else. And Jesus actually had a lot to say about money, and one of his big things is the verse that's behind me right now. And at the bottom, at the, at the end of the verse, it says Matthew there in quotation marks. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. He's a Roman accountant who walked around with Jesus. And when Jesus talks about, talks about money, Matthew writes it down because Matthew, as an accountant, says this is a good thing. And so if it's good enough for the accountant, it's going to be good enough for us. And so it says this. This is Jesus talking, and he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one, and you will despise the other. Let's read this last part together. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. We can't serve God and money at the same time. And so if we're going to choose one, we're going to choose God because there was a group of people at one point, once upon a time, who made this happen. They were the people who saw Jesus do ministry. They were people who saw Jesus walk into hospitals and walk everybody out because they had been healed. They saw Jesus die. And when they saw Jesus die, they thought that all these things about how you can't serve God and be enslaved to money at the same time, they thought all those things were dead, gone, and buried. It was fun for a while game's over, it didn't work out, let's regroup, let's come back next week. They thought that everything has ended. And then two days later, three days later, they went to show up and, and visit Jesus' dead body in a tomb, and they had some spices and some stuff that they were going to treat the body with, but they showed up and the body was gone. Because the guy who said that you can't, be, you can't serve God and be enslaved to money also said, one day I'm going to die, and three days later I'm going to rise again. And he pulled it off. So if we're going to trust God as our Savior who died for our sins, who rose again on the third day to demonstrate for us and for everybody watching that he has power over everything, that he is God with skin on, that we could also trust him with our finances. And so we're going to serve God and not serve money. And we're going to look at four ways that we do that. The first of those is that we serve God in how we view money. That it's all from him and it's all for him. That's what we say every week when you take an offering is that our finances, our giving to God is all from God and it's all for God. There are two different like polar opposite views of looking at this uh, within understanding God and understanding finances, and they're both wrong. We want to live in the middle of this. And the first one is that, say, that if you ever have your car break down or ever, you ever have a car that is not the most amazing car in the world, the most amazing house and the most amazing clothes, most amazing life, if it's anything ever less than totally prosperous, then you're sinning. And there must be something wrong. Okay, we worship a rich God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills to boot. He is rich. So if you're not following that type of lifestyle, then you must not be following God. 
which is wrong. The other opposite extreme is also wrong, which says that Jesus was a broke homeless man who lived in the desert before there was AC. So if you don't do those things, then you're wrong. If you waste God's money on air conditioning, you're living wrong. Jesus walked everywhere. If you put your money into the devil's car, then you're doing things incorrectly. Like you can understand where I'm going here, okay? Both those things are wrong, all right? Jesus invented AC for Fresno, and uh, if anyone ever wants to prove me wrong, just turn off your AC for, I don't know, like forever, and then survive the summer. Now you can do it, because this is my favorite two months of the year, October, November. It's beautiful, everything's perfect, and you no longer need your AC, and your PG&E bill goes back to normal. It's beautiful. But God created these things for us, and he gave us money to be able to pay for these things, because it's all from him, it's all for him. And God has an unending amount of, of areas that he can pour provision into our lives. Like, I love home improvement stuff. I love kind of diagnosing a problem and fixing it, provided that it's a problem that I actually can fix in my house. Uh, and a while ago, we had a lot of water d- down under our sink that wasn't supposed to be there. Water stays in the sink. It doesn't go under the sink. And so I'm trying to figure out how on earth did this get here? And, and anytime I have a project that actually, I can actually do, I'm excited. But if I can't do it, I'm like stuck and everything. So I took the dishwasher out of the cavity, like the dishwasher home that's like on your, your shelf and stuff. Uh, cabinet, that's it. And, uh, and there, was a, there was a pipe there, and I started to run the dishwasher to see what's going on. And like five seconds in, there's a stream of water that starts coming out of the pipe that all the dishwasher water drains through. I'm like, ha ha, I have found you. So I uh, used some tools and took the thing off and went to Lowe's and got a new pipe, and I put the new pipe on, and there's no more hole in the pipe. But you know what? Water is still going to go through. For all of us, that's how it is with our jobs, with our mental ability to do stuff and get paid for it. If that goes away one day, it's not like God is going to stop putting water through your pipe and putting money through your pipe. God has an unending area, an unending ability to provide for us. Your job is not your provider. Your ability is not your provider. That skill that sets you apart from everybody else is not your provider because that can be gone tomorrow. And what's God going to continue to do? God's going to continue to provide. So I put the new pipe on, and the water continues to flow through. But instead of settling in our cabinet, it now goes to the sewer, and I never see it again. And I'm very, very thankful about that. And that's how it is with Jesus. We trust God as our provider. He's going to provide. One of the things that was very important to me when me and Pastor Tim and about 20, 30, 40, 50, I don't remember, I lost count of you, uh, came down from main campus with us to lead Sunnyside. And, and as we've grown this church here, as a lot of you have jumped on uh, in the last 14 months, is one of my burdens, one of the things that I prayed for all the time is that we're going to be a financially obedient church. That we're going to see everything that we get financially as being from God, which means we're going to manage the 100% that God gives us to the best of our ability. And then we're going to give back at least 10% to God as he's asked for. And so now that we've had like two Augusts and two Septembers, uh, and we've done things like financial peace, and we've taken a real hard line at following God financially and saying we're going to bring this into God's leadership along with everything else in life, we've gotten to look at like what has gone on in the past two Augusts and the past two Septembers. We've gotten to see that giving has gone up, that attendance has gone up, that all these things are great. And it's, it's us as a church saying that we're going to serve God in how we view our money because it's all from him and some of it's going back to him because it's all for him. 
We've got a piece of property, four acres at Kings Canyon and Bergen Avenue. It's where we're going to move sometime in the new year. Uh, and we've started to do some improvements on that. Back in July, we took an offering saying, okay, let's give as a church to get the construction started. We're going to be partnering with Main Campus, who's our parent. It's kind of like parents helping kids do stuff. We're asking our mother church to help us build a church. They helped in amazing ways. But us as a church, we gave $29,014.87 to put toward this building. So we've gotten to see some things happen this week. Uh, so we got some kids' rooms. That, the top is the before, the bottom is the after, and you all paid for that. Part of our giving goes towards that, to making the room un-1980s. We've got another kids' room. That looks a lot more exciting on the bottom than it does on the top. The real fun thing this week is there's a comic book emoji mural that's been on the building for way too long. Uh, it got painted this week. Very excited. Very excited that nobody came and honked at us and told us things we were painting over the mural. Uh, the guy who painted it is in Whitsack right now, but that's okay. Uh, his name is no longer Andres. Uh, it's probably something else. But so we're thinking, what are we going to put on there now? Because we've painted over the mural. Uh, somebody sent me an idea. I think it's really good. We'll take a vote on it. Uh, <laughs> look at the forehead on that guy. That's a winner right there. Okay, that's Photoshop. That didn't cost a dime. But, uh, but the rest of it is, this is evidence of what happens when as a church body we see, okay, it's all from God. It's all for God. And we've got a building to show for it. I mean, it's, it's us being responsible and obedient and saying, okay, God, it's yours. Let's go. Secondly, we serve God in how money and possessions define us. We serve God and how money and possessions define us. The great part of these videos for me is getting to see the before and the after because every person that we've shown, like we've, we've known them longer than the time that it took to film the video. So we get to see the life transformation that's behind all of these. And Brooks said it really clearly that, that part of the thing that got him into their mess was just trying to keep up. And if we go around this room, that is not a story that's just unique to John and Brooke. That, that's us. If we view our money and possessions to, to establish our identity, we're going to be going down a disaster trail that will never lead to anything positive. Like, I love what, what she said uh, years ago. All the moms were talking about back-to-school shopping and everything, and, and Brooke said at one point, my kids wear designer clothes. I do not go to Walmart. What did they say in the video? Now we're a Walmart family. Because when God comes in and changes the way that we view our possessions and the way that we let money and possessions define us, it also changes where we shop. Because the name that's on our shoes or on our jeans or on our car or on our tools or whatever, the address of our house no longer defines us. And we live in an age where contentment is absolutely everything. Being content with where God has planted us, what God has put around us, the name on our shoes, the name on our shirt. Contentment is everything. Starting next week, we're going to be in a series on, uh, on a book called First Timothy. It's, it's Paul, an older pastor, writing to a younger pastor whose name is, anybody want to guess? Timothy, there we go. And, and Paul says at one point in chapter 6, verse 6 of First Timothy, he says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. And for us, wealth is financial and it's also spiritual. Financial, it's a lot easier to measure. But just like with spiritual, man, gaining wealth, growing wealth, having it impact and stay with us spiritually is a game changer. 
Because the desire to keep up and the desire to always have our life match up with the life of the people down the street or on our phone is never going to last. We're asking our net worth and our possessions to write, ca- to write checks for us that, that that stuff will never be able to cash. So Jesus says, I have a different way for you. Let me define your net worth. Let me define you, not your stuff. Thirdly, I serve God in how I manage my money because budgeting and tithing are regular habits for me. This is the part where it gets from being like a spiritual thing to something that actually involves numbers and spreadsheets and totals at the end of the month. Uh, So my number is going to be on the bottom of the slide because if this is the point where you're like, I want some help on this, call me or text me during the week. You can write the number down. You can even text on the side because you're on your phone anyway during church. Uh, And I'd love to put you in touch with some resources uh, that'll help you like start moving upwards in this. Uh, So we've got three priorities as God pours the 100% into our lives. We give, we do that first. That's the 10% off the top right away that goes back to God. It's us saying, okay, God, in a very, very concrete way, I trust you 10%. And God says, that's good, I'll take that. Giving it back to the local church to, to do ministry in our community and also to do ministry around the world. And then we, we save because there are going to be things that we don't know when they're going to happen in our life that we don't have money for, but we do know that they are going to happen. So we're giving towards the things that we don't know when, but we just know what. There will be a point where the tires on your car look like the tires on, uh, on our cars that are getting replaced this week because we have saved for it. We give, we save, and then we live on the rest. God gives us 100%, so we manage it. We manage it because that we want to stick out. We want to be different from the people around us. And the average American lives on 101% of their monthly budget. They live on 101% of their take-home. So when your coach told you to give 110% all the time, he's not your accountant. He is not your money manager because that is going to be a really bad financial situation in life. And so if you look at this God's way, we say, okay, 100% comes in, right away 10% goes back to God. Now I want to save because there's going to be a point in my life where I can no longer work and I want money to provide for me that I earned way back when I was young and working hard and stuff. So that's 10% going into savings. That means I have 80% left. So that means if you're living on 80%, then there's somebody living on 120% of their financial income if we're going to like nail the average back down to 101. That is bad, and we don't want to live there. We want to live where God's got control of stuff. And if you look at yourself and you're like, I don't want to budget because that, that makes me feel constricted. Let me tell you a story about my son this week. All right, This dude needs more constrictions in his life because three times he's tried to, tried to spray himself in the eye with sunblock. Okay, Once, that's an accident. Twice, that's dumb, and we told him that. Don't do this. We already told you not to do that. And then we were outside last time, he's, or last, yesterday, he's got the, the sunblock, and we can like smell the sunblock spray, and no, realize nobody needs sunblock right now. It's beautiful October. Don't do it. And there he is, like, looking at the bottle, and so Anna ran over. She's like, no. She caught him in time. It was good. That dude needs restrictions in his life. And financially speaking, we are all staring into the sunblock area in some place, And so we need restrictions also. It's good because budgeting with its restrictions helps solidify our priorities. It makes it a priority right right away to give that 10% back to God. It makes it a priority also in numbers, real hardcore mathematical stuff where numbers add up to stuff and you can't argue with it. To get out of debt. All these things are serious priorities because financial freedom leads to freedom in a lot of other areas in life. That brings us to tithing. 
And this is something I'm never going to apologize for or speak lightly about because God is super clear on this and also super understanding and gracious. He's not the mean God who pounds his fist and says, do this. He's the opening loving God who says, okay, let me show you. Let me walk with you in this because he's a shepherd and not a butcher. The verse that Brooke referenced in the video is Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes, that's 10% giving, into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, that's God. If you do this, says God, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you have, won't have enough room to take it in. And then God puts on his dad hat, his perfect dad hat. If your dad was limited in any way or every way, God's not. And so as a good dad, he says, try this. Put me to the test. It's like that, that's God's drop the mic moment. He says, you're scared. Let me conquer your fear. Let me walk with you to conquer your fear. You're greedy. That's sin that I take care of just like everything else. You're, you've got fear around money or, or around what's going to happen or whatever. God says, let me prove this to you. Let me walk with you in this because he's our shepherd who loves us. Man, tithing is our opportunity to demonstrate our trust in God. And I want to encourage you as a church, we've said it a million times, I'm never going to change my mind on this, but this is the way that we invite God in to protect our finances. We invite God in to protect the 100% that he's given to us. And I know that we need to start doing that even before we get out of debt. Because we're inviting God even into our debt, into our mess, to start fixing us from the inside. If you say, well, I can't, the numbers won't add up. Man, we can live on anything we choose to. And if you can't live on 90, you probably can't live on 100 anyway, which is what got you to the place. And what God wants to say is, let me, let me show you that this is going to work. He's coming to us as a shepherd, coming to us as a father, wanting to lead us into what's right, not just punishing us for if we're fearful or if we're greedy or if we have doubts. He says, let me prove this to you. It's tithing, turning, money of, turning control of our money over to God and letting him work now. And if we say, you know what, I've got this. I don't need God. I'm just going to manage my own money. And, and I don't need help either. I, I can do this on my own. I can, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm cut. I'm bloody. But I'm going to win the fight. You know who you're being right now? You're being a really famous movie character. You're being this guy, okay? Get back here and I'll just bleed on you before I get fixed. No, man, we're, we're asking God in to fix our finances like we have everything else. And so in this, we serve God, not greed, doubt, or fear, because our finances are no problem for my king. Man, that, that's totally true along with it. it, has been for everything else that we've looked at for these past six weeks, is that our finances, our money situation is no problem for our king. And getting to walk with, walk with John and Brooke, the couple from the video through all this, we've gotten to see how God did an absolute miracle in their life, but also how God used their church family to put stuff back together again. Because they didn't do this on their own. And none of us are supposed to also. This is an opportunity for us to depend and to lean on people who know more than us, who, are, who can teach us, who can build into our lives as God uses us to build into other people's lives in a bunch of different ways. And so whether it's greed, doubt, fear, or just a lack of provision that's messing up our finance situation right now, what God wants to do is he wants to come in and remind us that all those things are no problem for our king. That when we invite him in to take out greed, to take out doubt, to take out fear, and to provide money for us. If you're at a place where you need a job, 
God is the God of provision who wants to continue to show himself to us in that way. Where we can ask him and say, God, I need provision in my life financially because I don't have a job. Can you do this? God says, yes. God says, trust me and I'll show myself to be true. You can test me on this. And so that's how we're going to close. Worship team is going to come back up. Pressures are going to come up. And we're going to worship our God who loves us. Worship our God who says, trust me with the 10%. 100 is from me. Trust me with 10. And I will stretch the 90 to cover the rest. And we can say, God, with, with every area, this area included, I'm giving it to you. I'm asking for you to come in and to build up where I need you to build up. Whether it's build up contentment over greed, build up faith over doubt and fear, build up provision where there is none now. God, I'm asking you to do this because I know that's no problem for my king. And as we do that, we're gonna get to see God move. As we do that, we're gonna get to see God come do more than we could ever ask or imagine on our own. Let's stand and pray.